0: We're going to take a few minutes of our time today, and we are going to talk about the ministry of a deacon. Uh, I've had three decades plus in ministry now, and I can stand before you honestly and say that I've had great deacons in all of the churches that I have served. I know that some of my colleagues in ministry, and we make jokes about deacons, but I want you to know that my five years here as your pastor... I felt nothing but the support and love and prayers of my fellow laborers in the gospel. Uh, It was the same way in Louisville. It was the same way over at Bethlehem in Hazel Green. I could go on and on. But I want you to know that, yes, every once in a while, just as the same with pastors and others, there may be a rogue uh, pastor or a rogue deacon out there somewhere, but I thank God that I've been able to come alongside and have deacons to come alongside of us And let's serve the people of faith. And so, we're going to take, again, this time together this morning, just as we did at 8.30. And we're going to talk about this subject. But I may refer to Josh, or refer to Charles, or refer to Don, our three uh, gentlemen that we're ordaining today, uh, by name. Because I've seen them working behind the scenes. I have seen them serving over these last many months since our church set them aside last December. If you have your Bibles, your smartphone, your iPad, or your Kindle, I want you to go ahead and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And as you're turning there, I want to give you just an overview, if I may. These first 13 verses of 1 Timothy 3 are the qualifications of the overseer or pastor or elder and a deacon. Now verses 1 through 7 that we're about to read focus on the overseer or what we would call in the Greek the episkopē. It's where we get our English word episcopal from episkopē. And this would what we would call the modern day elder, pastor, teacher or staff member in a local church setting. So let's see what Paul had to say to Timothy in the first century about this particular office in the local church. The Bible says that the saying is trustworthy, that if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. I have to be honest with you that when I was a little boy, I did not have these dreams in my head that one day I would grow up and be a pastor. I wanted to be a football player. I I wanted to do other things that had a ball with it that was associated with athletics. But but later on in life, around age 17 or so, I got called into the ministry, and then I finally accepted the call seven years later. And I also have been around individuals both at Bible college and at seminary that said when they were a little boy, they, they knew that one day they were going to be a preacher, so they aspired to the office of an overseer. And the Bible says that if that is you... You desire a noble task. He goes on to say, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. And if someone does not know how to manage his own household... How will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So these first seven verses indicate to us some responsibilities for what we would call the bishop. Elder, overseer, and pastor. Again, many churches will use these interchangeably. Other churches sort of break them out and have them as different titles of the same office. Bishops, pastors, overseers, and elders are responsible to lead. Part of my responsibility is to lead. Uh, I hope I'm always a servant, most of all, because that's what Jesus was. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And if I'm to follow his example, that in my leading, I am serving. I'm also called to preach and teach, to help the spiritually weak, to care for the church. And even as today we do this, we ordain other leaders. But today is not about overseers elders, bishops, or pastors. And I think when we start talking about deacons who serve within the context of the local church, where did this thought process begin? I want you to look with me in the biblical forerunner of a deacon. And this is a beautiful passage of Scripture, and I'm going to take a little creative license here, but, but we're going to see Moses, the pastor, And we're going to see two guys by the name of Aaron and Hewer in Exodus chapter 17 beginning in verse 8. And I think this gives an Old Testament picture of what the New Testament deacon is really and truly all about. The Bible says, then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men who will go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. Now in verse 12, it indicates something that all of us know that that pastors, even Moses himself, could grow weary. Criticisms, anonymous letters and anonymous emails, um, the overwhelming understanding that you have to make decisions that affect literally hundreds or possibly thousands of people. The Bible says, but Moses' hands grew weary. I have to be honest with you and as transparent as possible, the last six months, I'm so grateful for a great staff and great deacons, I have grown weary at times. There have been moments that I said, Lord, I don't know how to go out, and I don't know how to come in. I need your help. And the Holy Spirit would always minister to me and would always give me rest, and I am grateful. But there was also some Aaron's and some Hewers that were willing to come alongside of me. The Bible says, so they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hewer held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. 31 plus years of ministry has let me know that I can't do what I do alone. None of us can. I, I, I don't care how gifted or talented the pastor may think he is, but he cannot do everything alone. We all need an Aaron. We all need a Hewer that at those moments where they say, hey, here's a stone, just sit down for a moment, take you a breath, and I'm going to hold up your hands. We all need that. We need that in our marriages. We need that in raising our kids. We need those individuals who will step into our life and speak wisdom and love and encouragement. So after they did this for Moses, look at verse 13. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. They won the battle. And we've won battles at First Baptist Church Athens for the last 200 plus years. Not just because there were great pastors that stood in the pulpits in the past, but there were great deacons that stood beside them and held up their arms. That's the reason why we're still going on after 200 plus years. It's not just one man. It's not a small group, a small circle of men. It is all of us collectively coming together and being the team that Christ wants us to be. Now again, verses 1 through 7, overseer. Elders, pastor, teachers. Now let's sort of focus on the deacon, servant, minister. The Greek word is diakonos. Beginning in verse 8 with me. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, uh, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, not, uh, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons, they gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. That is a mouthful, verses 8 through 13. And what I've tried to do is to create a word or two based upon these verses that all of us can relate to, whether we are a deacon or not, whether we're a deacon's wife or not, and sort of give us an overview from a 30,000 foot view of what deacons are to be. Let's just talk about a few of these. First of all, the Bible indicates that deacons are honest. And these three men that we're going to ordain this morning, I know them as honest men. I believe that their yes is yes and their no is no. But I not only believe it about the three men we're going to ordain today, I believe it about the other 21 that serve with them. These are honest men. Now, notice I didn't say perfect men. None of us are perfect. Not a one of us. Uh, we all have our idiosyncrasies. We, we all have our weaknesses But yet, the Bible brings to the forefront that deacons are honest. Which segues right into our second one, that deacons are also honorable. They have a great reputation. And I know the three men that we're going to set aside today, who've all been serving all through COVID and even prior to that, this past winter and early spring, they're honorable guys. Guys that, uh, yes, they're, they're, they're honest, but... But when a church family member looks at them, they know them to be godly men. They are honorable. Um, They're not so high-minded. They're of no earthly good. They are down-to-earth men. And in the midst of that being down-to-earth, they are very, very honorable. Thirdly, deacons are to be sober. Now, quickly our minds go to strong drink or wine or some type of alcohol. And I believe it's included. And I'll just go ahead and share with you, you know, part of my testimony, the reason why I've never imbibed and I've gotten involved with that because alcoholism runs in my family. And I just never wanted to give a devil any opportunity to jump on me, so I made a decision a long time ago more based on my genealogy than even my theology. So I would encourage these three men along with our others, let us remain sober not only from strong drink, But let's also be sober in how we live our lives. Uh, The Bible uses the word grave, and when when I see that word grave, uh, upstanding, if you will, uh, dignified as such. But I also believe that, that we are to be examples to those, not only in our immediate families, but also those in our extended family as well. Deacons are also to be doctrinally sound. You know, over the years, I've had some great conversation with some crazy deacons, amen? And not because they were bad deacons. They just had maybe a different view of some of the peripheral issues that we find. Now, the pillars of our faith, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you have to believe that in order to be a deacon at First Baptist Church Athens. You you have to believe in the gospel. You, you, You have to understand that the virgin birth, if you don't believe in that, then you don't believe in anything else. So these things we have settled, they must be doctrinally sound. Now, there are a few things that we could talk about and have a whole lot of fun with because they're on the periphery. But what we do is make sure that the three men that we're bringing on today, the 21 others that serve with them, they are doctrinally sound. Now, one of the things that we do as pastors when we have deacons meetings and we cast vision and we we share with our deacons, they serve as advisors. Now, they're not the pastor's boss, but they serve as advisors because they may think of something that we hadn't thought of as a pastoral staff. They can give us a glimpse or a view of something that maybe we have simply not thought about. And all of us sometimes become myopic, and we we have our focus upon what we want to do, and it's very difficult that when our minds are that way and our, and our focus is that way, it, it's very hard for us to deviate from what we want to do. But man, praise God for these, these 24 deacons that serve as our advisors. Deacons are also examples. Uh, if, if my son Zeke grows up and becomes like any one of our 24 guys, Joe and I will have done our job. That's how much I believe that a deacon is to be an example that if my boy looks at their life, not only here at church, but at a ball field somewhere, uh, if, if he sees them out in public somewhere, and, 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 and Zeke looks at, at his life as one of our deacons, I believe they should be an example to my son. But not only my son, but all the sons of First Baptist, all the daughters of First Baptist Church, that they are to be examples. Deacons are also to be mature. Now, now this is, this is one of those words in Greek that can go a lot of different ways, but I think maturity is very, very important. But again, don't become so stoic and so stiff that you can't have a little bit of fun. I, I love our deacons meetings. We, we talk about a lot of different things. We cut up with each other. Uh, we laugh with each other, and sometimes we even laugh at each other. But it's all in maturity. Uh, We don't get offended. We don't hang our feelings on our sleeve and say, I can't believe he said that about me. Oh, my goodness. No, no, no. You can't have that in a deacon council. You can't have that on a pastoral staff. You have to be willing to speak openly and, yes, kindly, but even sometimes getting a little dig in, if you will, if your ball team didn't win or something like that happens. So you have to have some maturity about you to be a deacon. I love this next one. Deacons marry well. And in fact, when, when I looked at Charles' life, and, and I see Miss Judy, and I, and I looked at uh, Josh's life and Miss Rose, and I looked at uh, Don's life and looked at Miss Amanda, every one of them outpunted their coverage, didn't they? Amen? It's just how it is. But see, deacons who are smart, they marry well. They, they marry above themselves simply because they know they're going to need it down the road, praise God. And that is what's wonderful about these three men that are coming today. All of them married well. Deacons are also family-oriented. Whether they have their own children or not is not the important thing. It's how they love family. Now again, all of us, if you were here last week, are somebody else's weirdo. Do y'all remember when I said that last week? I think that's been my uh, most often quoted uh, quote on on Facebook this past week. You know that pastor said that we're a bunch of weirdos? That's not what I said. I said all of us are somebody else's weirdo. That's exactly my quote. But the point being is, even in our own family sometimes, there are those individuals that just, I mean, cause you to have to pray a lot. Joe calls them holy sandpaper, amen? And even those who are holy sandpaper to you, deacons are family-oriented. I'm there for you. I'll pray with you. I'll give to you to make sure that you can do what you're supposed to do. And then this last one. And I really love this one because a lot of our deacons in our church are older. And they've been around a while. And they've, you know, they've been a deacon for a number of years. Deacons finish well. And I think that's part of the example that I want to follow. After only 31 years in ministry, and I see individuals who've been a deacon for 40 plus years and some have been a deacon for 50 plus years, and they're finishing well. I aspire to do that as a husband. I aspire to do that as a daddy. I aspire to do that as a pastor. And so, yes, deacons have a responsibility based upon the holy writ of Scripture to be all these things and even more. So based on 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 13, overseers or elders or pastors that are called to lead through teaching, which is what I'm doing right now. It's what I do every Sunday morning while deacons are servants who are called to lead through service. Now, I briefly mentioned this just a few moments ago, but I want you to keep this embedded in your heart. Pastors and deacons are to be allies, not enemies. I have never felt combative when I walked into one of our deacons meetings, and we've had to do Zoom deacons meetings the last several months because of COVID, but I always enjoy those moments together with my brothers even if it's very brief or if the meeting is, is is the hour long or a little bit longer i always enjoy that time because these are my brothers in arms as we move forward with our pastoral staff and our deacons we are allies not enemies now we've all heard the war stories We've all heard about those churches and those denominations where there's always a battle taking place. There's always somebody that's critical of one thing or another. I've just not felt that. And I'm very grateful. I'm very humbled. And our staff appreciates it as well. So, understanding what I've shared thus far, where did the idea of a deacon come from? Well, it comes from the Word of God. Let me give you three Greek words to consider diakonos, which means servant or minister, diakonia, a noun that means ministry or service, and then diakono, which is a verb that means to minister or serve. I see that in these three gentlemen that we're bringing on board today. I see it in the other 21 deacons that we have. So I beg the question that after 200 years of doing it the way we've always done it, why have deacons now? I think the answer is very simple. Pastors cannot meet every need. I am first and foremost a son of the Most High God. And then I am a husband. Then I am a daddy. Then I am a son to Bobby and Gail. I am a brother to my sister Kim. Then I am a pastor. Because I believe if you keep your life in right priority, God will make sure that the blessing and the anointing stays on you. And for three decades, I've tried to keep that, and I hadn't always been successful. I hadn't always done it right. But I recognize my limitations. Pastors cannot meet every need. We are all limited in our gifting. You know, Some are given one talent. Others are given two talents. Others are given three. I got about a half of one, okay? And because of that, I have to have great brothers and sisters around me in order to do what I do. Now listen, all pastors are called for a specific purpose. And I, and I take this home with me every day according to Acts chapter 6. I am called to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Because pastors and deacons are to work together for God's glory and the church's good. So when pastors and deacons work together, the church becomes and remains healthy, it remains vibrant, and it stays relevant. And we are living in a chaotic, crazy world today that needs First Baptist Church Athens to remain healthy, to be vibrant, and to remain relevant. How do we do that? We work together as a team. So according to Acts chapter 6, what happens when pastors and deacons work together. Notice on the screen with me Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. The Bible says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. There were Jewish priests in the first century that actually were reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ because pastors were able to do what they were called to do, prayer and the ministry of the Word, and then the deacons who took care of not only the Grecian widows in Acts chapter 6, but they took care of all of the other things so that the pastors could do what they are called to do. I believe that same formula works today 2,000 years later. So in closing this morning, before we ordain our guys. Let me give you a summation of Acts chapter 6, and maybe you can relate. First of all, the first deacons were believers, pick out from among you. Last December, that's what our church did. We set aside six guys. Three of those gentlemen had already been ordained. Don, Josh, and Charles had not. So that's why we're ordaining them today. We have picked them out from among you. Secondly, the first deacons were reputable. These are men of good reputation. Again, do not expect them to be perfect. Their wives don't expect them to be perfect, so neither should you. But these are men of good reputation. Thirdly, the first deacons were spirit-filled. I have seen the Holy Spirit work in Don's life. I've seen the Holy Spirit work in Josh's life. I've seen the Holy Spirit work in Charles's life. These men are to be filled with the Holy Spirit and then, this is very important as we move forward as a church, the first deacons were wise. They are full of wisdom. I believe that Don brings his experience to the table. Josh brings his experience to the table. Charles brings his experience to the table. And you combine that with 21 other men, you combine it with our pastoral staff, I believe we're going to land on the right decision moving forward. Why? Because this is God's way of speaking to the local church. I also believe the first deacons were capable. We will appoint them to this duty. We're going to ask things of Josh that we don't ask of Don. We're going to ask things of Don that we don't ask Josh. We're going to ask things of Charles that we don't ask the other guys to do. Why? Because each of them have a duty. Because they are capable. They have been given spiritual gifts in order to bless the local church. Lastly, the first deacons were servants. No more, no less. I know that there are different contexts out there where pastors feel like I'm the pastor's boss. I've never felt that here. I didn't feel it when I was in Louisville. I didn't feel it when I was in Hazel Green. I'm so grateful we are teammates, and we have collaborative effort in making decisions that benefit the local body of believers at First Baptist Church. You see, First Baptist Church needs deacons who will pray, protect, lead, assist and serve. See, deacons serve under the leadership of pastors, helping them to exercise oversight in the practical matters of church life. I've experienced that for the last five years, and I pray that as long as the Lord allows me to be your pastor, that we will continue to do so in the future. Now, the last thing I want to do is I really want to speak to Don and Josh and Charles, and all of you can listen in. But there is what I read this article a few years ago, and it really ministered to me. It's called The Burden of Knowing. There are things that we as pastors and we as deacons sometimes are going to know about a family, about a situation, about something on the horizon that nobody else knows about. And you're going to carry that home with you. You're going to try to compartmentalize it. You're going to, you're going to try to set it on a shelf somewhere. You're going to try not to revisit it while you're sitting at the dinner table with your family. But because you have the burden of knowing, you're going to pray. And you're going to be there to serve. Serve that family that's hurting. That, that family that's broken. That that single mom that needs serving. We're, we're, we're going to do whatever it takes. And let me just give you a short quote in closing From Marty Duran's article, The Burden of Knowing. He says, One of the heaviest burdens of ministry is the burden of knowing. Knowing who's hurting, knowing whose marriage is about to implode, knowing whose kid is headed to rehab, knowing who really sent that anonymous note. The burden of knowing cannot be delegated, nor can your pastor easily offload it when turning into the driveway each evening. Thirty-plus years of doing what I do has helped me. I'm not there yet. Zeke and I will be riding in the cab of my truck sometimes and he'll look at me and say, Daddy, what you thinking about? And it'll be something in Athens. It'll be a burden that I know about that nobody else knows about. Somebody has sent in a prayer request and it, needs to, it has a need that needs to be met immediately and, and there's the burden of knowing. Deacons, Don, Josh, Charles, you will help us to carry that burden of knowing. That's why we have deacons, so that we can work together as a team and to be efficient and effective to ministering to the body of Christ here at First Baptist, but also our community as a whole.